You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Hello, all, and welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. And, and I'm George. George. And today we want to have a conversation about conversion. Indeed. Uh, recently, a wildly popular speaker had this to say, and I quote Following Jesus doesn't, doesn't change you into something else, it reveals who you've been. All along, what would it be like to see the you that God sees? Uh, It quickly had over 20,000 likes Mm -hmm. before said speaker took it down, realizing, I hope, the errancy of the statement and not just because it didn't sit well with people. Uh, That is, I hope it was God and not man driven. But at any rate, it's alerted us to the need uh, to be clear on the doctrine of conversion. Mm-hmm. And so first, George, uh, can I just get your initial take on uh, this person's statement? What's maybe the the, the charitable take okay. on it? Uh, what is maybe the more realistic and discerning take on it? Uh, what's wrong with it as it stands? Sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I posted like that day on my blog because it was something that stood out as a a stark misunderstanding um, of what God does when he calls us. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the terrible take would be God finds us valuable. And from that standpoint, if we see ourselves as God sees us as valuable, we will treat one another in a way that, that is in line or has parity with that, that understanding of value. We'll treat one another better, potentially. Uh, what it fails to do is understand our deep and situated sinfulness um, and how we love our sin. And in that state, we're not capable of coming to God on our own terms. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the, the, the balance there. It, it understands God's love, but misses out on the reality of sin in our lives. Yeah. And that's what we have to deal with as we're coming to conversion. Right. So there is... A bit of an irony in it. Um, It reveals who we've been all along. Is somewhat true, but he's been meaning that in a positive light. Right. So that's what I was going to say. That's the irony in it is that he means that we are able then to to see really our goodness, our inherent goodness or some positive... Uh, image of ourselves when the reality is is that what's revealed about us is something that we would have previously denied which is that we are inherently evil wicked and sinful yeah. and that we inherently need self-loving and, yeah right idol worshiping ourselves right right so yeah i thought that was there's a bit of irony in that as well so uh i mean so there's a charitable take on it what what's the more maybe appropriate uh discerning take on what this person said the more discerning take is don't listen to Furtick. He he does not understand conversion, or at least is not teaching biblical conversion. 
Um, and not on the basis of what you're saying here. While it may, exactly. While yeah. it may be, you know, really nice to consider how much God does love us and value us. That's a very powerful thing to consider and help us understand. Um, it, it fails to really help us understand the, the actual need for Christ to come and take the penalty of our sin. Right. Um, as it gives an improper weighting to who we were prior to Christ actually doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about it here in just a second, but I'm sure. about like how, how we would define biblical conversion. But I mean, it's directly contrary to a passage like a second Corinthians five seventeen, absolutely, where it's, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, new creation. creation. The old is, is, is done away with mm-hmm. is gone and the new has, and we'll has be bringing come. it up. But the one that stands out to me is going to be Colossians three <clears throat> and just going through that passage and the way it ties both this change that we're talking about in conversion also to the fruitfulness that comes out of it. And ultimately, mm-hmm. as we talk about conversion, we're going to be talking talking really about the fruitful life that stems from it mm-hmm. versus the get by and kind of fit in with the crowd that doesn't really indicate conversion. Yeah. Okay. So let's just try uh, to define biblical conversion. Um, so okay. you go. Sure. I mean, conversion takes up a couple, a, a, a bigger section of things that we would, you know, maybe break out the pieces of, but they're all sort of involved. So we have um, repentance, and these are not in chronological order, uh, but we have repentance, you know, so basically turning from our sin and turning to God. So we're mm-hmm. turning that over and recognizing um, it also includes being sealed with the Holy Spirit, that, that sort of empowering by the Spirit to then actually produce fruits um, in line with who Christ is. Um, but it also includes God's actual change of our hearts mm-hmm. um, right at the start that enables that even to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. So... Conversion is not a uh, a a process. It's not a sure. it's not a progressive right. work like that we talk about sanctification or something mm-hmm. like that. We see as a a progressive work in the life of a believer over the length of their their life from the point of right. conversion. Uh, but when we talk about biblical conversion, we're talking about something that would include regeneration. Again, this is something else. I mean, you can kind of separate them as doctrines, but but in the Bible these things go directly together. They they you know, they're sort of the I don't know, uh, you know, the thunderclap, I guess, or something like that. It's uh, they're, they're you looking at one right? aspect of yep. what conversion is and seeing it and mm-hmm. getting the nuance there and then kind of coming mm-hmm. from a different angle and going, okay, that's the the nuance yeah. if I look at it here, but they're inseparable. They're still part right. of one thing. Right. There is the the bolt and then there's the the clap, right? Yep. Uh, so you hear it, but um, so you have what's called regeneration. This is the new birth. This is something that we've been talking about a lot in John chapter three mm-hmm. uh, of late, <clears throat> and it does seem that this new birth uh, immediately gives rise to uh, I I love Jesus. It wasn't there before. All of a sudden, it is there, and mm-hmm. there is a a real uh, departure from from sin as a reigning uh, principality and power in our right. lives. We repent, as you mentioned from it. There's a, there's a, the, the, the human responsibility aspect of it, of that we are now freed uh, to, to turn away from our sins and to place all of yeah. our hope and faith and trust in, yeah. in Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it is uh, darkness to, to light. It is death, spiritual death to, to life. spiritual life. Mm-hmm. It is, um, really a, a divine miracle that has been wrought in the soul through the 
the preaching of the gospel or the sharing of the gospel, but but the gospel is right. included there, right? Someone uh, has heard the truth about Jesus, and through that, yep. um, the Father has ordained that the Spirit would come and apply uh, resurrecting grace to to our hearts and bring about uh, this belief in Jesus. So, as I understand biblical conversion, it's just the it is the the effect, right? It is the effect of God's sovereign grace in our hearts sure. and our lives through the preaching of the gospel whereby we leave our sin and, and cling to, to Jesus. Anything else that you would add there? Mm. Okay. I, I guess one thing that I probably would want to, to make clear is that when we think about conversion, we're not just talking about someone just like making some kind of mental sure. decision. It's not like just in the human realm. Uh, but there is actually, yeah. contrary to this statement, there is there is actually a divine change. There's an objective change, <laughs> right. regardless of the subjective right. understanding of it. Right. Yeah. You you have actually become something that you weren't. Correct. Right. You have become a new creation, uh, a Christian. So do we see conversion in the Bible? Uh, and if so, uh, where can you point us uh, to see that? And, and then... What does it look like? Yeah, I mean, so jumping right in, Romans 8, 7 says that basically the mind set on uh, the flesh is hostile to God. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there's going to be any sense of, I actually want to be a follower of Jesus, to be discipled by him, to worship God properly, there's got to be a break with that hostile mindset. So sort of a, a conversion implied. And Romans goes much further than that. Uh, but then we have th- passages like Ezekiel 36, which... Old Testament, but gives kind of a feel for what this is going to look like with this new heart. I'm going to put a new heart yeah. in you, a new spirit, a change of heart that's going to allow you to actually follow my commands, yeah. which right now, again, Romans 8, 7, you're yeah. hostile towards. Right. There's, there's a new uh, heavenly inclination, heaven-given inclination to Correct. to love God and to love others. To, yes, and, and to walk in his word. Yeah. Right. You already mentioned it, Second Corinthians, Corinthians 5, 17. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically you are a new creation if you yeah. are in Christ. Yeah. Um, old things are past, the new has come. Um, Ephesians 4, 22 talks about, you know, putting off what belongs to your former manner. Yeah. So it implies that there's some new thing that we're able to do, a new mm-hmm. kind of life we're meant and able to live because yeah. of what Christ has done. Yeah, Romans 6, Paul's going to there, not to interrupt you, but uh, no, no. Paul, Romans 6 there, Paul talks about the old man having been crucified. That's right. So there's an aspect of conversion um, where uh, by, the, by the work of the Spirit, uh, we have been united to Jesus. Yeah. So that what he went through, there is a sense in which we also experience that thing, even though historically right. we, we did not. Yeah. If you, t- if you talk <laughs> we, about the ledger books, yeah. there's a moment in time, yeah. you know, quick books in heaven where yeah. all of God's, yeah. <laughs> all of Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, given to yeah. us and, and applied in that way. And all of yeah. a sudden our ledgers, it's clean it, right. we, because God sees Christ's ledger instead. Yeah. But on the issue of like conversion and new life. Uh, again, the, who we once were apart from Christ is is a crucified person. Like that person has been is put been put to death, or is crucified, is dying, is perishing, is going away, and we've been raised with Christ. We're we're a new person now. That's yeah. uh, hopefully increasingly we're, we're seeing that. Mind if I read a lives. longer passage? Yeah, actually, okay. So it. this is this is the one that has stuck out to me as I think about conversion. Of course, again, conversion implies future and ongoing fruitfulness. 
not that that's part of conversion, but it, but anyway, this is Colossians 3. It's it the says, evidence of conversion. Exactly, exactly. Right. It says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are, are on earth, for you have died and yeah. your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ right. who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So there's that mm-hmm. there's that switch. And I could continue mm-hmm. on. This whole passage is exactly yeah. like that. These Similar things are true in your life. and yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's because this has changed to this. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can trust that now you need to do these things and be this way. Yeah, at a point in time. Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so there's some some biblical passages to to look at. Again, all of that I think that we're finding in the New Testament is based off of uh, what is Jesus understands to be everywhere in, in the, the Old Testament, Testament as mm-hmm. well, which Nicodemus, of course, is yeah. talking to there about the new birth. I mentioned just Ezekiel, but Jeremiah is full of this exact kind of language of this change, new heart, right? A change of heart. Well, and the and the the latter prophets are are picking up on Moses. Oh, for sure. Where where Moses is talking about it's not enough that you have the circumcision of the, of the flesh; you actually need to have a circumcised heart. So. We see, again, uh, the, the, the idea of conversion all, all over the Bible. New Testament coming from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, I think one of the, the great ways to see this is in the lives of, of people in the Scriptures. Sure. Right. So you are you're thinking of uh, even as early as as an Abram who is Abram, and then of course he becomes, becomes Abraham. Abraham. He's mm-hmm. he's renamed. You have Jacob, uh, who becomes Israel. And all this is signifying that there is a change of Correct. person that God has wrought in their hearts. You come out into the New Testament. What are some of the most uh, Paul famous ones? Well, of course, Paul. <laughs> Paul is. Uh, a very clear case of of but conversion. even is calling his disciples. So you have Matthew himself, you know, who is you know, sitting yep. at the tax booth, and Jesus has come, and he just immediately gets immediately. up and, and goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. I always think of like the Gerasene demoniac mm-hmm. case where he's, I mean, he is possessed by a legion of of demons, and then the next thing you know. Um, all that is done away with, and he's sitting, sitting at the feet of Jesus yeah. in his right mind, it says, and he has a passion to go into all the world and, and preach yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, you have Lydia, like in, in Acts, where it says the Lord opened her heart to, to believe and to receive what Paul was saying to her about Jesus. You mm-hmm. have these kinds of things. So uh, you can see it both in actual texts, where it's given sort of the, yeah. the principle or the doctrine, but you can also see it in examples in examples of, of people's lives. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you think that the doctrine of conversion is something that Christians, churches, pastors understand well? Uh, are there any tells one way or the other? Um. So the, the 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 first one as to whether they understand it well, yeah. I think it's just a mixed bag. You're going to have to pay attention. And the good thing is there are tells. There are churches out there. There's a lot of churches out there that are proclaiming the gospel and yeah. and they are bringing people to conversion, bringing people to see what God is calling them to and actually engaging in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the major thing you can tell is... You can see it in the gospel presence in the life of both the body, so how they engage with one another, and in the the gospel in the preaching ministry. Um, yeah. If if your preaching ministry is full of just like morality and encouragement, you know, be right. your best self, and it's not really bringing you to you know recognize how God sees you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty 
telling sign um, that something is amiss. Um, yeah, if it's not aware of sin um, and real evil, mm. if it kind of glosses over there being real evil, presents a God that is loving but not just. Right. Um, I think that's, you know, a big tell as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, like a lot of the things we read, um, our culture, the way it positions it, we, we kind of get very easily into the, we want people mm. to, to be warm and, and happy about our message. Mm-hmm. And so it can come across as loving, but never really address just, never really address real sin. That's not just yeah. big world, but personal. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where we can kind of see the tells. That kind of leads me into the next question, which is how does someone compromise on the doctrine of conversion? <laughs> right. How do they, how do we compromise on it? And, and why might someone yeah, compromise? I think it's a big part of it is just measurement. Um, we live in a culture that is, you know, scientifically minded, but what that really means is we want to have a measure for everything. We're, we're you know, results driven, results driven. Yeah. That's maybe a good way to put it. So, yeah. you know, the number of people who have you know, made an altar call, who have been baptized, you know, that can be the tell for whether a church thinks it is doing well, mm-hmm. um, rather than actually seeing whether people are serving, loving, living together. You know, how are they actually engaging one another? Kind of, again, it gets back to the fruitfulness after. And we yeah. can just use the visible indicator of the start and misplace it where that's not really what's happened. Right. Yeah. When there's yeah. been more intellectual assent or maybe, you know, assent for a reason, you know, somebody wants something out of it that they think. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It seems like again uh, the, the one of the one of the reasons that we might do that again. I, I think so. Ways that we compromise on the doctrine of conversion is we can we can lessen um, the the doctrine of sin. Mm-hmm. We can make we can take sin out of the equation. Yeah, right. We can make it just about um, you know. I don't know, changing your way of life or uh, maybe being a better person. So it becomes, like you said, it becomes very moral. Um, We uh, try to maybe reverse engineer conversion. Uh, Some of that's coming from like second grade awakening kinds of kinds of things worth the altar calls, like you mentioned and, and whatnot. So it can become highly psychological instead highly of psychological. About it's, right. it's about, you know, if you just had the right mindset and yeah. understood, you know, what was going on in your brain, then you can right. be better. You could fix it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think at the root of that is we are, we're, we're wanting, some of it is, it comes from a good desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're wanting to see movement. We're wanting to see, People make declarations of, of faith in Christ. You know, yep. uh, we're wanting to be able to turn in a uh, a sheet of paper to a convention or an association that says we we saw this many people come to faith in Christ. We had this many people baptized, and then we get awards. You know, and yep. all, and and well, we want to have just, a kind of a confirmation for ourselves yeah. and measure it by the wrong thing. That you know, hey, yeah, all this time I spent, you know in the Bible has actually been worthwhile. Although, you know, mm-hmm. maybe time my family sacrificed for it. This is good. See, see the results mm-hmm. and kind of make the, uh, a leap that isn't supposed to be being made. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just talk implications, Im- implications of this doctrine for a few different kinds of people, mm-hmm. things. Um, what are the implications of this doctrine for the unconverted soul. Sure. I, I think the the big one is just that sin is a real reality in life. It's not just 
it's not just our upbringing. It's not just, you know, if I had had better starting conditions or, you know, if I had money at my disposal or whatever. No, the sin is a reality and not just, you know, the sin of a, you know, an evil world, but the sin of I, I want what I want, regardless of the cost to others and, and, and what it means you know, for a, a, my relationship with a holy God. Yeah. Um, so while it doesn't, you know, it doesn't relinquish our responsibility knowing about sin, um, it does make us aware of also how truly difficult and costly um, the sacrifice Christ made was. So it, it helps us, it, again, it's a, it's a judgment, it help, not judgment in a bad way, but judgment in a, I can now understand what sin is actually, it's weightiness, and therefore what my sin actually looks like before God. Yeah, I think it all is just saying, if you're an unconverted person, then you are a person who is apart from Christ. You are still in your sins. You are under the judgment of God. You need to be converted. Yep. Uh, you need to be born again. Uh, you you need to be united to Christ by faith. And uh, so, I mean, I, there's a there's certainly should be for for the unconverted soul, uh, just uh, you know, a coming a growing awareness that uh, they're they're not in a good state of soul um, before the Lord and. Uh, that they they do actually need to be changed, and not just in their outward life, right. their outward mannerisms. It's not like again, um, just moral reformation or something like that. But they actually need to have receive a new heart from above, right. uh, and be changed. Um, so, mm -hmm. okay, what are the implications of this doctrine for the converted soul? Sure, uh, conversion does mean we are new creations, yep. and we should expect. Right new fruit mm -hmm. um, where we're not seeing new fruit where we're not seeing new desire um, mm -hmm. where we're basically running after uh, sin and unrepentantly mm -hmm. um, those become tell signs where maybe actually well so one is maybe actually i am unconverted and these things are, are a problem yeah. um, but on the flip side of that where we see fruit where we see a growing desire to be in his word to know him better right. to be in a body to make yeah. real you know to, to where we see those all of a sudden mm -hmm. that connected with the fact that we have the spirit present within us mm -hmm. is, a, is a ton of confidence that even when we have a, a bad day, even when we slip and fall, get all yeah. connected in the, you know, fallen in the mud, that Christ is still there. We're still one of his own. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a huge confidence, I guess, is what I'm getting at, where, you know, the, the fact that conversion is a thing and it's not mm -hmm. just, hey, if I just do enough today, it just kind of stacks up. Yeah. You know, conversion says it's done and there's a there's a completion to it mm -hmm. so where i see that fruitfulness backing up that completion i can have great confidence mm -hmm. in what christ has already done mm -hmm. yeah i think too there's just a, a gratefulness to god for his grace absolutely towards us uh we once were dead in our sins and trespasses now we're alive in christ uh certainly should should uh draw out of us thanksgiving and praise uh to god for his kindness towards us in christ jesus um, so, and I think too, again, this is probably just stemming out of having gone through John three and Nicodemus and all this kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. there needs to be some kind of a watchfulness that we aren't just kind of, we were not saying, well, because I, I have formal religion and because I think nice things about Jesus and because of all, you know, whatever it is, um, I have a certain kind of place or prominence in religion, um, that I'm a converted soul, right? right. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says he needs to be born again. He needs to be, he needs to be converted. He's not a converted man. 
Um, and so while I do think you're right, like there's certain, there are certain fruits and this is why we have to know right. what those things are where we're getting an assurance. There also needs to be a watchfulness in our lives that like Paul talks about, he says in second Corinthians 13, five, uh, examine yourselves, right? Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Right. And there's and so, the, the part of yeah. this is the singular plural kind of distinction yeah. of the, it's one thing for us to see fruitfulness or to take what is good in our lives and treat it as fruit and neglect the bad, kind of ignore it. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when spirit calls us into body <clears throat> and body is confirming that fruitfulness and whatnot. And yes, mm-hmm. the body can be you know wrong and see you know somebody just trying to be people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's another confirming sort of issue yeah. when we're we're called and converted into a body, not just yeah. converted for our own you know. Yeah. Well-being. Well, I think the things that you mentioned about love for Christ, receiving the testimony of his word, mm-hmm. loving his word, loving his people. Yep. Right. Becoming a, a visible part of his people. Right. Nicodemus eventually at the end of the gospel Becomes is going visible. to publicly identify mm-hmm. with Jesus right after he's been crucified. Yep. You know, so those kinds of things are very much evidential of true conversion, conversion. Mm-hmm. which leads me to this. What are, what are the implications of this doctrine for an overseer or mm-hmm. an elder or a pastor mm-hmm. of converted souls congregated together? We call it a true church. Yeah. I think the major thing is it's, it requires discernment. Um, we, we actually have to fill our, our bodies with discussion of the gospel. Um, it isn't enough to do gospel communication outside the church and we're not even talking building but even just people when we're among people the people in the body yeah. we still need to be sharing the gospel not yeah. in a you gospeling. need to be saved but we need to got the gospeling we need to be that that the yeah. gospel and the message of the gospel the benefits of the gospel need to be constantly on lips mm-hmm. and not just when we're doing evangelism because mm-hmm. the body one benefits from it it is a grace to them to experience and hear it over yeah. and over and over again <clears throat> And there are going to be people in our body who have, through good parents or yeah. you know their good attempts and efforts, yeah. um, through culture, through whatever, who they're going to grace your door every Sunday, um, but have never actually come to experience yeah. the grace of Christ. And they need to hear yeah. it again and again. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and I think to to add to that, that there's gonna, there should be an expectation, like a pastor should uh, have a certain kind of expectation for the conduct uh, that they're going to find in in a body of believers, yeah, in a body of converted people. Yeah. Uh, there are things that we're not going to have. We're not going to expect of an unconverted person, precisely because they are unconverted. unconverted right. Uh, we they're, don't think they're... we don't expect too much of the unconverted, and <laughs> right. we expect a little bit more from somebody who claims conversion but does not live yeah. up to it. Yeah, because they're raised from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there there are going to be uh, in just expectations, uh, obligations, responsibilities. Uh, that we're able to uh, gently and lovingly and charitably lay upon a congregation of believers precisely because they are believers. believers. They're converted yeah. people who are following Jesus. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah. So, okay. Finally here, what are the implications of this doctrine for a philosophy of ministry? Mm. Um, I, I think a major one is going to be basically word over experience. Um, trusting in what God has written and what we have recorded in Scripture um, testimony passed down through disciples from Jesus um, is very, very weighty, especially when we compare it to our subjective, limited experience mm-hmm. stuck in this current time in the existence yeah. of the entire universe. Uh, we, we can yeah. trust 
And so that's, I think that's an important element of that culture of ministry, that philosophy of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so not subjective feeling. Um, fruit over time. So not necessarily jumping at conversions and building our whole thing over, you know, whether or not, you know, we did X conversions this Sunday or over the course of a year, right. really focusing our ministry on sustained, actually experienced change fruit in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to see people baptized and that is great, but yeah. we measure successfulness as insofar as we even talk about measurement, we measure it by people's lives being changed and pro- progressively seeing them walk closer with what is true in their life about conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess this one is more just a side effect is discipline is a real thing. And we should expect that as churches yeah. are being faithful Church discipline um, towards right. conversion. So yeah, if someone if someone's life isn't isn't uh, um, yeah. where we don't see church discipline practiced, yeah. it likely means we're not treating sin to its real extent right. and we're not really caring yeah. so much about whether the people right. that we're actually keeping in body are believers. Yeah, yeah. Whether it, they've experienced conversion, right? So that kind of brings me at the at the philo- philosophical level of of ministry. To I mean, we at least believe that the church is in, in its nature is a body of believers, a body of mm-hmm. converted people. So that's one thing. Yep. Another thing is that because of that, at least on the front end, you just talked about church discipline, which is sort of the back door. Back door, yeah. Uh, but on the front side of things, it seems that there is also some kind of implied responsibility that we are careful to make sure that the people that are coming into the membership of a church have a credible profession of faith in Christ. Absolutely. Uh, one of the ways I think we, we talk about compromising on the doctrine of conversion is we just say, oh, well, they... They have they have a a profession of faith. They they have said that they believed in Christ, and so their subjective saying of declaring that they are a believer that is sufficient uh, for us, and we should just take them at their word, and and we don't need to kind of even press in in any way uh, to 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 you know just. Uh, examine a little bit and, and see like do they actually have faith in the gospel are they actually hoping in Jesus do they have any kind of is there any kind of evidence in their lives at all can they you know, pass they have on a Christian the testimony? Message, message yeah effectively and sufficiently right. To, to yeah right yeah but understanding the church as a body of converted people uh, is going to determine that uh, on the front end at least that we are doing some due diligence uh, to be to be prudent sure. uh, for uh, just the discovery of a credible profession of faith in Christ, and so, and that is not perfection. That's it's a, a credible. It's very conversion. Is it's a very charitable process. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Right. right. But we are wanting to hear, you know, what is the gospel? Uh, faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Christian testimony. Yep. These kinds of things. So, okay, I think that about covers it for now. Uh, any final thoughts, brother? You want to throw out there on conversion? Yeah, it, we kind of touched a, a little bit, but I mean, Paul was in real ways unlovable. You know, Peter was a liar and a betrayer. Judah, Judas was a, a betrayer and a thief. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, you have real sin out there. Yeah, thief on the um, cross. Yeah. Cursing Jesus. Absolutely. Moments when, before he's converted to Jesus. The, the, the point being, when <laughs> yeah. we focus only on how valuable we are and how yeah. loving God is, and we fail to ever deal with real justice or judgment, we actually kind of belittle what Christ went through. We, we steal glory. Ultimately, we say it really wasn't that hard and we don't need to understand or recognize that we're, we're really devaluing what Jesus has done. And so I think having right. a proper understanding of conversion helps us then bring Jesus glory. Better. Yeah. And I think just stemming from that, the, the power of conversion 
right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, by recognizing the reality of conversion, we are recognizing the power of God in a person's life. Yeah. So it's it doesn't matter like... It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And right, so if it, right. it's belittling that, you're basically saying it either right. isn't a reality yeah. or it's not that important. But then how hopeful, right? Someone someone could be the, the, the chief of sinners as Paul was, and yet he ends up uh, being a servant of, of Christ and, yeah. and is now in glory. Uh, so... Uh, just so much hopefulness there. And at the end of the day, we, we, we want to come back to that 2 Corinthians 5.17 and just affirm wholeheartedly that if anyone is in Christ... It's a new creation. It's a new creation. Yep. The old is gone, the new has come. May he have all the glory for it. Amen. 